Good evening, wool gatherers, and welcome to the 115th episode of Wanderings and Wool Gathering. On tonight's episode, we tackle the latest from Harry Styles. Yes, you heard that right. This program is going to review Harry Styles. Bit of a stretch for us, but that's what we like. We are not uh, pigeonholed into metal or alternative or anything else. We will tackle anything that comes before us. And his new record is called Harry's House. So uh, stay tuned for the second segment of the show to find out what we thought about that. We're also going to choose some theme songs for our X-Men teams that we're creating tonight. We've got a couple of uh, people who have posted some characters for us to add theme songs to. We're going to do those as well. And then when we finish the episode, we're going to go to chat about Sandman issues 7 and 8. The show is coming up quickly, so we definitely want to make sure we are handling that. Joining me tonight is the one and only Metalhead. Step inside into his mind. It's boy band time. It's Metalhead Monday. And there he is. And there I am. Metalhead Monday himself. Welcome. Thank you. Are you ready to go tonight? I am. I thought I was not going to be, but <laughs> got our Wi-Fi back up just in time. So sweet. Got a lot of technology. I, I'm ready to go. Check it out. I have my Pride mug for my tea tonight. So uh, nice. repping this month with the Pride tea. It's a little chai this evening. Nice. It's still going to burn my tongue if I put the lid on it. So I have to keep it off until until it oh. cools off a bit. Like a little chai now and then. Prefer a chai latte, but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, definitely good. So, uh, what is new in the world of metalheadness? Oh, not much. We had a visit with uh, my daughter and all of her brood today. Lots, uh, lots of grandkids. So that's fun. It's always <laughs> that's always fun because you know. They're all 13 and under, mm -hmm. so they get nice and loud and rambunctious, and then it's time to go home. So <laughs> Then you leave them. <laughs> That's the joys of being a grandparent, right? Yep, pretty much. Hopefully. Oh, we have a comment already. Oh. Oh, I did not see that someone out. loves a supportive Foggy. <laughs> referring to the uh, mug. So, ah, fantastic. There we go. Thank you. All right. Without further ado, let's talk about, you know, when um, we're talking about Pride Month, we're talking about people who are minorities. Who better to talk about than the X-Men? Absolutely. Right? And even talking about X-Men, depending on who we're talking about, we could dip into Pride territory. This is true. Yeah, that's like a double minority for them. Not only do they are they estranged by most of society for being different, but then uh, some are different upon different. So, very cool. Before we jump in, we did have a couple of folks send us in suggestions, and I did not have either one of these on my team, so that was perfect. I didn't either. All right. So the first one came from Let's Talk Comics on Facebook, and it was from Zach Goyet. I know Zach from, uh, he used to be back on the Michael, uh, Brian Michael Bendis uh, Jinx World board back oh, in yeah. the day before he ended that whole thing. But uh, that's where I first met Zach. And um, he has said he would like Gambit. So what did you have for Gambit? I cannot wait. 
I mean, the low-hanging fruit is the gambler from Kenny Rogers. All right. That was not low enough for me to get. (laughs) What else are you going to say? I mean. Well, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to pick a song by the Beatles. Okay. Michelle, my bell. Because it speaks both in English and French, as he does. Yeah, so... uh, yeah, so uh, the, we had Michelle and The Gambler. So hopefully, Zach, I would like to know actually what your theme song would be. So if you're watching or if you have a chance on Facebook, post that. Love to see what you thought. The second one before we get started with ours is from Andy Cano. I hope I say his name right. And he has chosen Cyclops. And Cyclops was not on my team. Not a Cyclops fan. Me either. I... I... <sighs> Back even when I read the X Men, I don't think I really loved him as a character. I don't like he's he's a decent leader, I think, but he never seemed terribly approachable or personable. So seemed very stiff. Uh, yeah, kind of a jerk, which is why I chose the song "Soul Sucking Jerk" from Beth Beck. <laughs> Love it. Now, visually, I think he's one of the cooler X-Men. I mean, those goggles, I mean, those, that's super Oh, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely cool. So I didn't go quite that route. I went with, you know, he's sort of the X-Man, right? He's one of the originals. He's the leader. So I think when most people think of the X-Men, he's one of the first people that comes to mind. So I chose the song because he represents them all, Minority, from Green Day. Okay. Good song anyway. And uh, I think it fits Cyclops, so hopefully. Well, you're a little more uh, generous than I was. So. <laughs> I know I hate the character. He's fictional, <laughs> after all. I don't have enough time in the day to hate a fictional character. <laughs> well, some people do. Oh, they do. <laughs> Let's just ask Star Wars right now. Oh, yeah. Unfreaking believable. Yeah. Oh, sometimes people, whatever. Okay. But we're happy people, so we're going to continue on our X-Men theme. Are we going to go uh, round robin? Of course. Why would we do it any other way? Mine's going to be really lame, by the way. I think mine's fun, and I I got some fun songs. So, Okay. Well, um, it was my uh, challenge, so you're going to go first. Okay. Well, first up, I would go with little... Bobby Drake, some Iceman. Excellent. And I'm going to have to go with Immigrant Song because he does come from the land of ice and snow. I thought you were going to do Ice Ice Baby. No. What? A little too on the nose. If you see (laughs) Iceman and Immigrant Song, you at least have to think about the lyrics. This is true. He comes from the land of the ice and snow. So there we go. I like it. So my first person is the only one that's actually not on a team together. So, But I'm going to throw out this one of my favorite X-Men. I've got a couple of original pieces of art of him. It is Jamie Madrix, the multiple man. I figured you'd go with him at some point. Yeah. I'm interested to hear the song. What would you guess? Seven Nation Army. That's what you were thinking, right? Yeah, that's good. (laughs) That's good. I actually thought about that. That was my first thought. Um, (laughs) I went with Be Yourself from Audio Slave. So okay, cool. Be, and actually, it would because be more appropriate. Struggles with that. 
yeah, be yourselves. Because <laughs> yeah. he talks about different sort of people in there, and, and he is yeah. when he breaks off. Uh, when he's multiples, like, does he really know which one is himself? There was a, I would never spoil it, but there was a, I forget what issue it was, but Peter David came out and basically said, do not spoil this issue. It was a, a child birthing, and it had to do with him or a duplicate and all this kind of stuff, and it was so well written, and I think the fans actually listened to Peter David and did not go out and just blow this out of the water before it oh. happened, so everybody could go on Wednesday or Thursday and get their new comics and not be spoiled, so it was really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that was really neat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I'd have to say on my end, that's that's a trend that's going to continue. So, um, sorry, sis. <laughs> appropriate for an X man. Here we go. <laughs> I'll put that up there. That would be interesting to think of a Bob Dylan song that would be good for an X Men. I'm sure there are plenty. So, all right, what's your second? I think I just thought of one. Well, so I'm going with Storm, but okay. I want the Mohawk version of Storm because it's the most badass version of Storm. I want to know what you picked because I, I had that on my list. Uh, <laughs> Well, you know, to make Sistine happy here, we could go with Bob Dylan's Blowing in the Wind because, ha ha. Ah. But because uh, <laughs> it's, it's Storm. But I went with uh, Bad Reputation from Joan Jett. You know what song I had picked for her? What's that? London Calling. Because cool. it's a badass yeah. punk song. Um, yep. I actually was going to go with the Sex Pistols, but yeah, that was my sixth person on the list. And it had to be. The Mohawk version. That's the only version of Storm. Oh yeah, that's visually uh, just total badass. And I, I another route I could have gone. The first song I thought of, I thought Bad Reputation was a little bit of a better choice. But the first song I thought of was Punk Rock Girl from the Dead Milkman. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, title wise, that definitely works. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. Um. Okay, so my next one is, okay, I'm going to be honest with you, the next four characters are all from the Ecstatics because that's the x <laughs> team I love. And so... I can't wait to hear what you have for dupe. <laughs> I didn't do dupe, but I might think about it while we're doing this until I come up with something. Um, oh, You're somebody's watching welcome. you. You're very welcome. Somebody's watching you right there. Boom, nailed it. Okay, my choice was uh, Dead Girl. Moonbeam is her name. And uh, I chose Dead Man's Party from Wingo Boingo. I love that song. Fantastic so song. Much. Love it so much. I can listen to that song on repeat for hours. I, I probably did. I think I did once. I listened to it several times in a row. And Lacey was around. And she was like, oh, my God, really? <laughs> so It must be repeated. Or no, I think I had it like I had the CD or something in the our vehicle, or and I was like I kept listening to it like every time we got in the car, and she was like, "Okay, that's, that's enough." <laughs> Danny Elfman is a genius to be yeah. able to write a song like that and then compose music for Batman and all the other movies mm -hmm. he's done. Guy is a he's a genius. Yeah, no doubts. That album, that song is uh, perfection. 
All right, let's hit it. Who's your third? I went with uh, Miss Emma Frost. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm just thinking about, like, how she kind of conducts herself, carries herself, and all of that. And I'm like, mm, you know, I think a really, really good song for her would be Killer Queen from Queen. Oh, nice. She is the white queen, so. Yeah, exactly. Very nice. I thought you might go with something chilly and frosty because she is. Nah, uh, well, I already covered that with Iceman, so. That's true. Well, if you were going thematically. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My third one is Guy Smith, Mr. Sensitive or Orphan, depending on which name you go with. And I chose Everybody Hurts. From REM. <laughs> nice. Because he hurts at all times if he's not wearing his suit that uh, Professor X got for him. Nice. Well, that is a character I am not familiar with at all. So. Oh, he's so good. Thrown into leadership when he probably shouldn't be the leader. And um, he, well, I'm not going to run it for you. You really should read it, though. He's a, a deep character. A lot of good stuff going on with him. So. You said this is all from Exatics? Yeah, I started off in the X Force run. It was at the end of. Um, he took over, is it five or six issues? People hated it. It was like, what are you doing to my X-Force book? You know, and so hmm. I think they must have, editorial must have heard him and changed the name to Ecstatics, and it became this whole thing. I don't think people like the concept in an X-Force book. Who wrote Ecstatics? Um, Peter Milligan. Okay, that yeah, makes and sense. And Mike Allred did the art. So Yeah, I know. I know it was Allred. I couldn't remember who wrote it, but that makes sense. He can get a little weird. He can, but this is not weird. It's so yeah. poignant, and so it really speaks to society. It's so good. Uh, it mirrors what goes on. I love it. Might, might check that out one of these days. There's a sweet omnibus that you could get with all of it. So. All right, who's your fourth? Uh, I went with a Summers, but not the Summers that everyone mm -hmm. probably would assume. I went with Havoc. And uh, I've always loved the visual of Havoc, uh, you know, the straight black costume with the weird headgear. And when mm -hmm. his power comes, the, you know, the, the mm -hmm. circles and uh, the concentric circles. And I, there's a Havoc and Wolverine series from the 80s that was absolutely gorgeous. One of my the story is a little wonky, but it's really, really awesome to look at. Who drew it? Uh, it's actually two people. It's fully painted, and it is John J. Muth and Kent ah. Williams. Yeah, and Muth like, amazing. I think Kent Williams did all the Wolverine art, and John Muth did all the Havoc art. So it's really cool mixture. Is it watercolor? Um, Muth did a lot I of watercolor think stuff. So I think cool. it, it looks mostly like oil or gauche maybe i don't know it's it's not watercolor it doesn't look like watercolor okay but um so havoc and i went with just because it kind of goes with the name uh sepultura has a song called chaos ad so nice destructive yes very much so yeah i don't think we're going to cross over on any of our people no, because I don't know any of the ecstatics. So. Uh, you, know, you, you don't know Tyke Alcar? Come on. I don't. Everybody knows Tyke Alcar. Um, he's known as Anarchist. 
Okay. And so interesting character. Um, he's the only black member, but uh, he was raised by white parents, um, foster parents. And he obsessively washed trying to get the black off. Like huh. it was an issue he had. Okay. And so he was very militant. And then when he got in the group, played each, all the members against each other. Um, great character. Um, but being that he's sort of militant and the only black person on the team, I chose like the power. Nice. Me. Very cool. Yeah. Cool. Makes cool. Sense. Yep. Uh Oh, it's time for our last and final. Is this your best one? I chose my best for last. Probably my favorite one out of these characters. Mm-hmm. But only only my favorite. She was like, I love this character just as a in a certain time period. I was a huge fan of um, the X-Men, like in the probably in the Uncanny series, I would say from maybe like the one. 70s 160s 170s on i like when i really got into them so around that time we got the not the debut her debut was in days of future past but she really came to her own around this time was uh rachel summers Mm -hmm. as phoenix and i love the visual of that character with the Phoenix force and all that's very cool. And her costume, you know, the skin tight red with the spikes and all, and the effect they drew on her face when she would use her powers, all of that, which I think mostly that was mostly like a John Romita jr. Design. But, uh, and then I love Excalibur. Amazing. I, when that series started, I was all in on that and she was a big part of that team. So I've always loved her. Um, but like after that period, I zero. Like I don't have any inclination toward her as like Marvel Girl or any of that stuff. So. Right. But so when she first came on the scene, she was basically used as what was called a hound because her job was to hunt other mutants. So for her song, I picked uh, "I Want to Be Your Dog" from Iggy Pop. <laughs> It's so appropriate, though. That's good. I know, right? It works. Yeah. Not hound dog. No. That would have been appropriate, too. All right, Iggy Pop. This would be, if we put this together, this would be one heck of a uh, soundtrack. Yeah, yes, it would. Wait, wait till I hear my last song. This is something else. Okay. So, anyway, this is, I've said it before, this is the absolute best name for a character in all of comics. Um, it is Edie Sawyer's character. Name's Edie Sawyer, but she goes by You Go Girl. Yes. <laughs> That's her name on the uh, Ecstatics team. And she is like a socialite. She would be maybe what you would consider an influencer now when she came out. And uh, really kind of superficial is the way she comes across. She's grown as time has gone on. She's um, had a relationship with Guy Smith. Um, we just found out in the latest episode that something we knew from the past comes back and it's more interesting now. Um, but I chose for her wannabe from the spice girls. Oh, wow. Totally fits that character. <laughs> that's funny. If you want my future, forget my past. All right. Uh, that's great. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the way uh, she comes across. So that's funny. We've been, we've, we actually, I don't know if you've seen on Netflix, there's a show called the circle. 
Mm-mm. It's like, uh, okay, so it's basically like a reality competition kind of show. And uh, the two of the Spice Girls, uh, Mel B and Emma, were on it this last, this most uh-huh. recent season. So that that was pretty funny. Yeah. It's, I mean, she's a great character, and she's one of those that is very dynamic and becomes rounded and develops as you go. But in, initially, she is somebody who's just out for the glory. And that's what the team is about, selling sponsorships and getting yeah. views and all that kind of stuff. So That song works perfectly, then. Yeah, I thought so, too. Speaking of songs, how about uh, Harry Styles? What do you think about that? How about him? How about that? Well, we don't have a challenge yet for next week. Is it yours or Paul's? Uh, Actually, next week, are we going to do the uh, video for Project Renegade? I know we could, yeah. Because yeah, I think JPP is going to be on vacay next week, so we might do that. Uh, our good friends from Greece, Project Renegade, are, they're going to be releasing a new uh, video. I think. I mean, we'll definitely Friday. talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, you'll be surprised when you come back. <laughs> Who knows what the challenge might be? <laughs> so, all right. Well, Harry Styles he released a new one called Harry's House. It's his third solo album. Um, for us, I've never listened to one of his entire albums. I did Either. listen to One Direction. Um, I've heard songs. I know he likes songs about fruit, and uh, <laughs> and uh, he's yeah. I will say, you know, without talking about this record or my dislike for the genre, I'm not a huge pop guy. There's not a lot there a lot of times, but um, he does have. A very good singing voice when he when it's highlighted and they don't do any effects or anything he can really sing so i do appreciate that about him but yeah uh, absolutely uh i feel like he's he's definitely talented and i mean there's absolutely nothing here to hate uh, i can't say it's terrible that's for sure and his voice i do enjoy his voice um he does a lot of fun things um Definitely, when you see him performing, he's usually wearing something interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, and and he's like he's game. Like he he's he loves to play. Like he loves performing with other people. So that's always cool to see. He picks uh, really interesting covers. Um, so yeah, it's he's a lot of fun, and he's he's very talented. Yeah, I agree. So. Let's just work through the album, as we always do. First songs, music for a sushi restaurant. Um, interestingly enough, the song came from the fact that he was sitting there with somebody at a restaurant and said, that doesn't sound like a song you'd hear at a sushi restaurant. <laughs> and so he came up with a song about that. And for me, he said this was the perfect album opener, and that's something we talk about every time, is this thing is typically radio-friendly. It usually sets the tone for the record. Um, it'll be similar to other songs. I, I feel like in musicality, definitely was a lot like the other songs. It was definitely one of the lightest in uh, as far as content goes of the songs. It was catchy. It was upbeat. Um, had a cool horn section at the chorus breakdown. Um, had a little cool follow-up bass groove. But that's where it ends for me. Uh, lyrically, it didn't catch me at all. Um, I didn't love this song. I just thought there were a couple of nice little parts to it. Um, yeah, there's 
I honestly didn't dive too deep in the lyrics on any of these songs. Like there were, um, this is actually, uh, one of the songs that, uh, Paul and I know, I don't know if you know him or not, actually, uh, Doug Showalter, um, he grew up here. He's a native of the Kokomo area and he actually is in LA now following uh, his music career. Mm -hmm. He's worked on a lot of different artists. Uh, he did a lot of work on the albums and toured with uh, the country artist cam. That's uh, great stuff. Um, he's just kind of, he's, he, he gets in, here and there interesting places like he'll work on a song with this artist and a song or two with this artist so it's pretty cool to see him doing all of that he actually performed on conan o'brien one time with uh what is it 30 seconds to mars mm. <laughs> as like a backup singer um but uh he did some work on three songs on this harry styles album the this first track the sushi restaurant one he did, I think, uh, sound design on this. Mm -hmm. So I don't know exactly what that means, but he's on this song. Um, and I like this one. Uh, it, it's a, you know, as far as looking at this album as a whole, this, you know, it's a solid opener. Uh, it caught my ear. And yeah, I like this one. But yeah. And Harry's voice is like, you know, it works on all these songs. I don't really have a problem with anything he did on here, but uh, there's, you know, a lot of it didn't grab me enough to be like, oh, I wonder what this song's about. So there were a lot of repetitive themes <laughs> throughout yeah. those songs because I did pay attention pretty well. And so that, you know, lyrically, this one didn't do much, but I loved, I, I loved what that, like the horn section that kicked in. Yes, I, I did love that. that. Yes, that was a nice, nice hook with the horns. I liked that a lot. Yeah, and then it just dropped, and that bass groove hit. And I thought, you know, if the rest of the record is going to be like that, I'm in. I, you know, I was digging that part of it, but yeah, didn't get that on all of them. Uh, the next song is called "Late Night Talking." Another catchy number. It's about a relationship. Can't get her off his mind. Obviously, right. um, got a cool, catchy pre-chorus. A lot of these songs have pre-choruses before the chorus. Mm -hmm. uh, the lyrics were really light, fluffy, nothing heavy here. Uh, there are a couple of songs that I feel like really are heavy lyrically. This was not one of them. For me, this would be what I might call a throwaway song as far as my listening goes. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, yeah, nothing really stood out on this one for me. Kind of, you know, standard 2020s pop fare. Yeah. Grape juice. Ah, we're back to fruit. Yeah. <laughs> Last one's watermelon. is what cherries. And um, this one had a really cool opening that was different yep. than uh, the other ones. And then, you know, as I'm like, yeah, I mean, like, this is kind of cool. Then it goes right back into that familiar pop territory. And that lost me a little bit. And the one thing I didn't like on this one, I don't know why they're auto-tuning Harry's voice. For me, auto-tune is overdone. He's got an amazing voice. I don't know why we auto-tune it. And I'm sure it's a it's a choice because he obviously can sing anything he wants. Yeah. I don't agree with the choice, so I didn't love the song as much. Um, again, it was like late night talking for me. It was cool opening, but it was, again, a bit of a throwaway. Yeah, I'm with you on the auto-tune there. Like, somebody like him that can sing really well, like, I don't know why it's necessary. But whatever. I mean, that's just 
a sound they wanted for the song. So more power to them, but I'll skip to the next one. <laughs> I think we need to just make a mention here that this is not our territory. Like no, we actually, are not yes. pop guys. Um, I was, you, uh, my youngest son is 18 and just graduated. Uh, so he loves this album. Like when we've been driving with him recently, a lot of, he will put this on. And so, um, I was talking to him about it today and I told him, you know, we were doing it on the show and he's like, so what do you think about it? (laughs) So, I mean, I kind of told him a lot of what we've already said, you know, and one thing I did say was I am not the target audience for this. So, you know, there's that. Yeah, so people out there, you may disagree with us and think he is God, and that's fine. We, you know, and if you thought the last two songs were amazing, more power to you. It's just not our wheelhouse. I think we expect a little more in a different way, so it is what it is. But we're yeah. going to tell you what we think anyway. Yes. <laughs> uh, the next song is, as the pop world goes, might be called a banger. <laughs> as it was, <laughs> is the name of the song. And... It's kind of, okay. I'm going to say why I do like this song a lot. There's like a weird juxtaposition going on because this is like the bounciest, peppiest, upbeat song. It's got this cool keyboard thing going on, but it's really a very somber song. You know, the lyric um, about growth and change aren't happy lyrics, really. And the way that he delivers them isn't really happy. So I kind of dug that little juxtaposition of the music being all up yeah. here and high and hype. And then lyrically, we're down here. So I really thought that was cool. And it's hard not to want to bounce along to that song. Yeah, this is uh, one of the highlights for me. And it is always cool to have that juxtaposition of, yeah, kind of a bouncy song and melody and the lyrics not really portraying that feeling. So that's always cool to hear. Um, This is also one that Doug worked on. I believe he did electric guitar and percussion programming on this song. So that's cool. It was really cool to. I'm glad that I liked the three songs he worked on without knowing exactly which ones they were. (laughs) And then I went back and like, oh, good. I like all those. (laughs) Um, But yes, this was definitely one of my favorite songs on the album. So. I enjoyed this one quite a lot. For me, this was uh, the beginning of a four-song yes. The album has hit it, where I'm feeling pretty good about it. Yeah. The next song was Daylight, mm-hmm. and um, a jilted lover song. You know, it's unrequited love. Uh, another catchy pre-chorus. Um, it is typical pop fare. And I, I think I sent you guys or said something in the text, but if you have not watched the video um, of Harry Styles and, um, oh gosh, what's his name? The late night guy. Fallon? No. Gosh dang it. Uh, the Brit. Oh, uh, man. I can't I think was, of his name. Uh, Corden. Yeah, James Corden. And so they make it, they go into these people's apartment, like surprise them have them call friends over and they make a video on the spot. It's, it is so hilarious. And (laughs) Harry is such a good sport to go along with everything that James asks them to do. And they put it all together at the end as a video and it kind of works. It's kind of goofy, but that's a very fun video. So if you haven't seen that, check it out. We'll have to check that out. I've not seen it. Um, I'm with you on like this block of four songs. I, 
this, yeah, these four songs are probably the best ones on here for me. And I, everything you said about it, that's kind of where I fell. Cool. What did you think of? Uh, I'll get. I'll let you go first on Little Freak. Um, I really like this one. I like the sounds on this one. I believe this one. Um, I think I like what they did with the vocal on, if I'm thinking of the correct song. Cause it's like, I mean, Harry's way up front, but then you have like kind of harmony vocals singing right along with them. But, and it sounds like several levels of harmony and, but it, it's, they're all singing like perfectly in sync. Like it's all there. No one's singing anything in a, like a, different uh cadence or like it they're all together note for note just in their different levels of harmony and i really thought that worked on this song they were all moving in one direction hey there you go i don't have any drums reach close enough um yeah i thought that the cool thing about this is that everything that came before it was very poppy and had yeah. all the pop elements. And then when this one starts at a different opening, it was mm -hmm. slower, had a cool drum beat. And then they added in just very simple guitar work. So it was a cool change of pace. And I thought the album needed it. And it was perfect timing for it. Um, it was another song about lost love, except for this time in the lyrics, he seems to blame himself a little bit. Rather than just being unrequited, he's kind of looking yeah. you, know, at, you know, introspectively at his own fault in this whole thing. So Little Freak was definitely a highlight. Um, dug this one quite a bit. And then the next one is my absolute favorite song on the record, uh, hands down, from music, lyrics. Uh, it's about perfect. It starts off with beautiful guitar work. Um, and then the lyrics kick in. It's very slow. He's singing. It's not auto-tuned. You just get it from him. And I think topically, it really works right now. Um, and this month especially, because you kind of get the the feeling that we're talking about somebody who is trying to come out or is being abused at home for being different in some way. And then they've created this family outside of their family who is accepting of them. And um, I, I like the line, you don't have to be sorry for doing it on your own. You know, yeah. they've been abused so long at home, they've gone their own way and done their own thing. And um I don't know. There's just a lot of cool elements to this one and by far my favorite song. I would probably agree with all of that. I, this one definitely had a different feel with the acoustic guitar and a little more laid back. Um, so it's always nice after you hear like pop, 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 and you hear something a little different, uh, definitely catches your ear. And yeah, his vocal on this song was a, you know, just about perfect. Um, he really did a great job of setting the mood and portraying the feeling of the lyrics on this one. I, I agree with that 100%. And then came cinema. <laughs> so, uh, and I, I asked my, or my daughter was beside me. I was listening and, and checking lyrics and doing all this. And so she felt the same. So I don't feel as bad. This for me is where the album starts to kind of nosedive a little bit. It was yeah, fluffy, I, basic, yeah. nothing special at all. I really the rest of the album from here on out, I I don't have a whole lot to say about it. Is this this turns into 
me listening to the song and being like, oh, I like that part. Oh, that's that's a cool little, you know, cool little noise they made there. Uh, and just picking out little things like that. Like, I don't hate it. Like, I would be perfectly happy with this playing in the background if I was, you know, mm-hmm. walking through a store or something like that. I got no problem with any of this. I don't hate it. His his voice, again, great. There's just not a lot for me to grab onto for the entire rest of this album. Yeah. Uh, yeah, cinema, nothing. Daydreaming it added the horns back, which I was you know, I thought was cool, but the song lyrically is very repetitive, and what it's repeating yeah. isn't hitting me, so I didn't feel like it needed it. So those two songs basically throw away. Um, I did like Keep Driving, and again, it was a change of tempo. It felt like it was sort of that stream of consciousness writing, and I thought it had a really good flow, the way it kind of hopped from thing to thing, which are seemingly mm-hmm. unrelated. Um, I'm sure they're not unrelated, but sort of felt that way. And uh, so Keep Driving, liked quite a bit. Satellite, um, I, I think the idea of the title and the orbit aspect of it you're in orbit around somebody surrounding them i thought was kind of a cool idea yeah i caught that yeah just a very basic beat not a whole lot going on didn't stand out um boyfriends topically i guess about insensitive men and how they treat women and women staying in the mess kind of a cool topic i didn't like the song lyric instrumentally didn't enjoy that Mm. And then, so let's just go in the last song, which is the album Closer. How did you feel about it as the closer? Um, I mean, I think it works. Uh, definitely thematically. I mean, most of this stuff references love and relationships in some way. And the song is called Love of My Life. Um, so thematically, I think, you know, in this album you're going through the ups and downs of you know emotions and everything you feel in different stages of love and all of that so to i mean it kind of ends on a high note there lyrically i guess yeah i agree with the lyrics especially um this one had a little heavier synth sound which i thought was nice because all the other synth in this was very you know higher up and and bouncier this one it was a little heavier the focus mm-hmm. was on his voice, which I liked a lot, um, and it just had a very subtle beat under it. It didn't, it wasn't pronounced. It let his vocals do the work. So I thought it was a nice closer. Good yeah. way to end it. I agree. So, how did you score it? And will you listen again? Well, before we do that, um, JPP was oh. not able to be with us tonight. He's. Uh, Having a little technical difficulties, so um, hopefully we'll have him back soon. Uh, but uh, he sent in a score for this, and I thought it was so funny. He said, 2.5, I've heard enough. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, all right, thank you, sir. <laughs> I would have thought they would at least get a half a point just for the uh, amount of keyboard and synth that they used. But I guess not. Most tough. Not the sounds he likes, I guess. I guess not. <laughs> um, so fair enough. Moving on. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't go much higher than that. I, for me, like I like the songs I liked, but uh, I can't go more than like three out of five. The middle of the road for me. Again, 
not the target audience. That's fine. This is not for me. I get it. But I didn't hate it. I, there's probably not a ton here that I will go back to. So, I, yeah, three out of five is about the best I can do. Yeah, I'll, I'll be a generous three out of five as well. I will say this. If he made this an EP that was, as it was, Daylight, Little Freak, and Matilda, I would have gone with like a three set or a four, seven, five out of five. That, <laughs> Just yeah. those four as an EP. That would be pretty stellar, yeah. But um, not not a bad effort. I don't hate that I listened to this quite a few times. So um, as far as branching out goes, I'm glad we did just to mm-hmm. get a little taste of that, so we know what yeah. the kids are talking about. But um, well, I, I I was concerned I would ven- be venturing into uh, Fiona Apple territory on this <laughs> one. So and that was not the case. So I was pleasantly surprised. Well, you know, Posty just came out with a new one. Oh boy, can't wait. Well, it was either this or Posty. So <laughs> I know. I'm good. I'm good with this. People like Posty, Bundy. All right. Yeah, people they do. Like, people like the last time that we did Posty on the show. I have to say, I if you have not seen it, I would highly recommend the Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie that just came out on Disney Plus. It is fantastic. Lots of Roger Rabbit vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, very good, very entertaining. And at the end, they they mentioned they're talking and they mentioned something about um, uh, someone doing like a, a super updated pop version of the theme song when all really anybody wants to hear is the original, the classic. And then it boom busts into the Rescue Rangers theme song by. Post Malone. So <laughs> it oh. was pretty awesome. Yeah, he's a funny guy. I, I like him. So he uh, does but, have a good sense of humor. But we probably will not be doing that um, no. unless we just have nothing else to listen to next week. So, all right, let's talk about comics to round this show out because we have two issues uh, Sandman number seven and number eight. And I sort of perhaps spoiled. Part of seven last week <laughs> in my fervor. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I went a little ahead, but um, we're going to talk about it as if I never mentioned it before. So, <laughs> uh, John D has uh, gone crazy, killed a bunch of people, and uh, he is in possession of the ruby um, that has got a lot of the power of dream, a part of his soul within it, and it's given John D a lot of power. And so now, Dream has to try to get his ruby back. Yeah, so Dream, he revealed that when he tried to use it, John D had it long enough that he kind of changed how it works or something about it. And when Dream tried to use it, it stole even more of his power away from him. Mm-hmm. So why he would reveal that to him, I'm not exactly sure. But I don't know if he just didn't know what kind of person he was dealing with. Cause that immediately then John was like, well, no, I'm not going to give it back. Are you kidding? Like I'm going to destroy you and get all of your power. But <laughs> Why that would ultimately he? could have led to the decision that made dream win. Maybe he thought because there was so much of him in there, if he destroyed it, it would kill him. Well, but he didn't originally, when he approached him, he was not, I don't think John was saying he was going to destroy it. He said he was just going to. Oh, no, he didn't. But eventually that's his go-to. Yes. 
is to destroy it. So maybe yes. he felt like, you know, maybe that's why he planted that seed. I don't know. No, because Dream didn't know that was going to happen either. No, no, it. not at all. He, yeah, I think true. he even said something to the effect of he, he thought when he destroyed it, he would destroy him. But the opposite yeah. happened, freed that's him right. and all of his power came back to him. Yeah, but, we were talking about death. I think it's interesting how Neil framed this, you know, with the first two pages, you see, you know, all of these random, horrible things happening. Mm -hmm. And just, yeah, that was really, really interesting. And then, you know, that leads into the discussion and then ultimately the, uh, the fight and, you know, Dream basically says, well, if you're not going to give it back and you want to fight me, we're not going to do it here. You're going to come to the Dream Realm and you can take my power from me there. Yeah. So, and John calls him a coward for running away. So, <laughs> Well, I thought those pages you were talking about, I think you really get the sense of how much power Dream really has because you don't get that mm -hmm. sense, but... The world is in turmoil when yes. when Dream is upset or you know it's off balance or whatever because people can't sleep. Well, they have nightmares. I, they okay. You know. So I didn't get that. I got it as John had the ruby and he was using it to do all these things because in the previous well, issue, in the previous issue, he was that's what he was doing in the diner, and it's mm -hmm. like he he. He, he figured out he was powerful enough to extend that to basically the world. And that's, you know, he was doing basically the same thing, making people do crazy stuff they wouldn't normally do. Well, when he was trapped, there were also those people who were caught sleeping endlessly or yes. so those were affected as well. But that was, I feel like that was because Dream was captured and he was not able to do what he normally does with Dream. So these people weren't it was right. affecting these few people and their sleep and dreams and stuff yeah but that's Not, what i mean by the power of dream is that yes he is being a nice stable calm dream situation it's all sure. good but when it's out of whack things are really a problem yes so okay so he has invited him into the realm of dreams which was cool um did you get the image of the bride of frankenstein on page eight from the from the movie, there's an image of a lady. Um, I think it's at the top. Of, I don't have my book down here with me, but it's at the top of the page, and it is straight from the movie *Bride of Frankenstein*. With, I think she's at the top right-hand page, maybe. Um, is it the one? Is he already in the dream world, and he's like kind of looks like a Roman guy? Yes. Yeah, yeah that's that's page eleven, but yeah. No, mine was eight. That's so weird. Yeah, but oh, it I'm says without, it's because I'm going without uh, ads. There are two. Um, no, 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 no. I have the trade, so there's no ads. No. Um, there are two, two. It look women that look like kind of the bride of Frankenstein, mm -hmm. and they're actually saying, "Beware the brides of Frankenstein." Yeah, but in the but the model was actually off of that movie, which was kind of cool. the The art was drawn based on that picture. I got you. Yeah. Okay. And then while they're battling, those who are sleeping feel the battle, which I thought was kind of a cool touch. Yeah. It was interesting. Yeah. Um, and we also got the first um, 
first time that we had seen one of the other siblings in the series. We had Destiny mm-hmm. right in the same. And yes, Destiny and we are, I mean, it's only in Shadow, but we're introduced to Eve and her Raven, which ends up being Matthew, I believe. They don't name the Raven. I think that comes later. But yeah, we're, we see Eve in her cave, which she plays an important part later. Yeah, so that leads to, and it was it was a little bit hard to figure out at the time though what was happening with him destroying the ruby until after the fact. But then uh, that leads to Dream getting his power back. Mm-hmm. And then were you a little surprised that he showed... Basically, he he did not take revenge on him. He showed mercy on John D, which was kind of different than how he dealt with the first guy, the son yeah. of the guy who trapped him. Um, yes. Um, yeah, I think um, it was weird that he did that. And also because we've already seen like the, the lover that was trapped in hell mm-hmm. from thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, nah, I haven't forgiven you yet. Yeah. So, yeah, so for him to actually battle this person that is trying to destroy him and then to just take him back to Arkham is a little bizarre. But uh, And then let him, you know, perhaps you'll sleep tonight. You know, like, that was, I I don't know, maybe it was the fact that he got his power back because in the next issue then he's kind of lost. He doesn't know what to do now that he's ended this whole saga. So maybe... Maybe that was like a turning point for him. I don't know. Well, okay. So here he says, um, yeah, he asks him, John asks him, you know, I, I killed you. What are you going to do to me? Obviously he didn't kill him, but that's what he says. Right. What are you going to do to me? And he says, I'm not sure. You have pretended to power not yours, wreaked havoc in my realm, inflicted pain upon my person. You should be punished. But then he says, but you destroyed the ruby. And I doubt I would have thought of that. Mm -hmm. So I think because he destroyed the ruby and it returned all of his power to him, that may be why he kind of... uh, Could be. Yeah, it seems to be. Yeah. And then he lets uh, Jonathan Crane, he puts him to sleep to give him a night's rest, <laughs> which was cool. And then there was another DC proper mention with Harvey Dent. So Yes. Lots love of, that. I love that that uh, Gaiman is connecting the two worlds so closely so that we know this is really going on in the DCU, even though it yeah. was not a DCU book necessarily. And they do, I mean, really, for the most part, they get away from that after this. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Anything else from seven? I don't think so. I mean, this is, um, this was not the first. I feel like uh, Mike Dringenberg kind of came into his own a little bit more on this one. I think it looks better than the last issue, in the, number six. Yeah, and I feel like it, it felt like every issue or two issues was like a, a little mini adventure, but this really mm-hmm. feels like, if you're doing like a quick trade, this sort of ends this part of the book. Yeah, it's you know, kind of the, the pieces back and he's yes. back to what he was. Yes. And so it's a good jumping off point then for the next issue, which is a one-off issue. It is. And it's it kind of, yeah, 
So seven kind of ends the adventure of him. Yeah. Regaining his power and all that. And then eight is kind of a postscript on all of that. And almost like a check-in with dream. It's like, okay, now what? And he doesn't know what he's lost. I mean, he's the first two or three pages. He's feeding pigeons, catching a soccer ball and uh, just kind of hanging out. He's lost. It's, um, it's like that other uh, the series that's out right now called No One Left to Fight. After you've just defeated everybody, what do you do? What's left yeah. for the guy who makes his living on defeating people? And so Dream is lost. And then who comes in but, I think, Big sister. fan favorite, yeah, Death. So, yeah, this is Sandman number eight, the first appearance of Death of the Endless. Um which is a key book. It's not cheap. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is she comes in to kind of, you know, I don't know. I don't think he summoned her, but she must have somehow realized that he was back to full power, and she he'd obviously been gone for 70, 80 years, and she just wanted to check in with him. So yeah, and I thought it was I thought it was funny when she first came up and he's like, I'm just sitting here feeding the pigeons, being Moby. (laughs) She's like, she does a Mary Poppins joke. Yeah. She's really like lighthearted and having fun with him doing the super califragilisticexpialidocious thing and talking about the uh, Dick Van Dyke accent, things like that. (laughs) So that was a fun, you know, intro uh, for that character who has a very deadly serious role, even though she doesn't, look at it seriously you know it's yeah i like how she's i I like how she asks him you know she's just point blank she's like so what's the matter and he's like what do you mean like like he doesn't know and then she just kind of opens the door she's like i can tell something's wrong and then just like the floodgates open he's like i got all my power back i don't know what i'm gonna do i don't i don't you know i just went through all of this and i don't know what to do now and yeah it's pretty funny he just kind of it really was just word vomit for two pages Mm -hmm. of him talking about basically saying i don't know what to do now (laughs) yeah but it was appropriate, I think, too, because it sort of set up the relationship between the two. There's obviously a trust there and a, the family aspect of that. Um, she cares for him. Um, and then he sort of just, okay, I guess one of the, the next cool part, of thinking from the teacher perspective, as you're reading this and you know she is death, the foreshadowing with poor, poor Franklin playing soccer. Oh, yeah. So yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I mean, that's one of those in class you just want to stop and go, okay, kids, did you get it? <laughs> did you get that foreshadowing? Yeah. I'll be back yeah, it was very funny. soon. <laughs> yeah. And I, my, yeah, my favorite part of that whole thing was him talking to his buddies and he was like, oh, man, she said she was going to see me soon, man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Yeah, very cool. And then it goes to, you know, the conversation continues, but then it just goes through a, a whole section of her going to get I like well I like before that I like how she just I mean she really just kind of pulls big sister duty and starts getting in his ass and telling Mm -hmm. him you know you know you're (laughs) self-centered you know poor excuse for an anthropomorphic personification infantile adolescent blah 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 like she's like get over it dude like you know you got a job to do and 
you're I, I like this she says you're you're as bad as desire or worse so you know yeah. they're referencing their yep. other siblings and, mm-hmm. and then yeah, that was yes cool. they go on then she tells franklin she'll see him soon and then you know he accompanies her as she makes some rounds and collects some people yeah and um yeah, the, the Romani guy who's playing violin. Mm-hmm. And they cruise in. Mm-hmm. They don't touch the ground. If you notice, they sort of are just walking above the earth. They're not actually casting shadows. They're just kind of cruising through. So you can tell they're different. People sense them as they come by, um, but they don't mm-hmm. really notice them. Um, there's just like that overwhelming feeling of, like you always hear about with death or some cold sensation comes over your body or when a ghost comes through. Walking like over my grave. That. Yeah, you see, so you get that. That's kind of cool that that happens as they're going from place to place, and then every yeah. time there's the uh, the wings, you can hear the beating of wings. Yes, he says she draw she draws him close from the darkness. I hear the beating of mighty wings. Yeah, it's kind of a nice touch, um, and it is. She's very matter of fact yeah. about everything she does. You know, it's I like I like the comedian one. Which yes. it's so random, like a comedian <laughs> she, getting electrocuted on stage, and mm-hmm. she's like, "That's whatever comedians afraid of dying on stage." Yeah, and then but the pun of dying on stage yeah. and nobody laughs—it was very yeah. clever. So, um, and then poor Franklin, we meet him again <laughs> as he runs out in traffic. So. Um, well, I mean, you're skipping some stuff like the baby one was next. That was a little, Oh, that was heartbreaking. Yeah. A little rough. And then, and then there's one page where it's like four totally random, you know, somebody mm-hmm. ODing on pills, somebody dead on a beach, somebody dying in a hospital bed, somebody killed in an alleyway and then several other random ones. And then yes, we're back to Franklin kicking the soccer ball around. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the baby one was rough, um, and I think there was one with a person face down. Yeah, and she's walking up. You see the legs walking up. That's right. That was part of yeah. the four people. That's right. Yes. Okay. Yep. So again, we've just sort of ended another segment, getting ready to jump into something bigger. Or yeah, and throughout, like he dreams. Um, I don't know what you want to call it, his uh, inner monologue as you're reading through all of that when he's going with death is just kind of them having a conversation about her, you know, telling him like, look, you have this job to do. You need to snap out of it. You know, look at all these people that, you know, they have so little time and, you know, you're you are part of the endless. So basically you know get your shit together and do your job and you know you're gonna be fine and it works i think seeing her in action getting the the pep talk so to speak will then set him off on his next adventure yes he says i have found the solace i sought, though not in the way i imagined from dreams i conjure a handful of yellow grain i throw the grain into the Mm -hmm. air and i hear it the sound of wings as he's feeding pigeons yeah very cool. Um, so, a lot happened in eight issues. Really, seven issues. But yes, um, to set up a, a story, I wonder if he... I don't know if I'd have to go back and read those things. But um, I wonder if he packed it so 
so much at the beginning, not knowing how far he would get to go. Like you never know what the sales are going to be if they're going to allow you right. to go on forever. Um, yeah, but it is jam packed. I mean, he does a lot. <laughs> yeah, bump my bump my machine there. Um, yeah, I don't. It is very dense, and I have not seen the annotated versions. I know you have at least some of those, but that's. I mean. Yeah, there's so many like little references to things and Easter egg type stuff that, you know, it's it, the I, I agree. When we first started talking about this and our friend Sean was he he said, like, if you have never read the Sandman, do not start with the annotated versions because it, it just it, it's better. And I agree. I think it's better to read through it and then go back and catch that stuff. And that would maybe enrich your appreciation for it and you so. know it's there i mean it's so obviously yes. there you just maybe don't yeah. know all the things but it's it's obvious when he's quoting shakespeare or yes. like in this last one i mean it was blatantly mary poppins i mean you don't need yes. to go look at any notes to know that it was from the tv or the movie mary poppins yeah. and all that so um, he's just you can tell how widely read he is um mm -hmm. his knowledge is is so deep and he puts it all out there and makes it work. You know, it could come across too much if you didn't have somebody with a good hand at writing. Yeah. But when he does it, it just enriches the story. It doesn't take away from it. It doesn't make it feel like you're reading a Wikipedia page. Um, it's just really well done. And so far through eight issues, I mean, this thing is amazing. I can't wait to continue on and see where it goes. What's the next one? Is it Dream Country? Is that the next story arc? Completely lost you. Okay. I mean, Folks, am I we back? lost Metalhead Monday. You there? I am here. <laughs> Can you hear me? Can't hear you. All I get is like wonky computer noises. Wow. Okay. Well, I don't know. I'm clear on my end. Now he's back. He's back. Are you sure? <laughs> you are now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and there you I go mean, again. <laughs> Uh, well, the good thing is it's at the end of the show. So um, I think we'll just end it there. Are you back, Monday? I don't, I'm here. You're back now. Oh, you're freezing again. <laughs> I'm going to remove you and finish the show. I'll call you back in just a second. Oh, my goodness. All right, folks. That is Wanderings and Wool Gathering episode 115. So, um, we will be back next week, and as I said, we're going to look at the latest video from Project Renegade. And um, my good friend, Mr. Mundy, over there, if you want to check him out, you can find him at uh, Metalhead Mundy um, on Instagram. And uh, he posts a lot of stuff there about metal music and all the goodness. So go check him out there. You can find me at Foggy's Pal on Instagram and Twitter. Come over and say hi. And you can find our amazing show on youtube apple music spotify stitcher Castbox, and soundcloud and you can find album movie tv and comics reviews at wanderingswoolgathering.com see you next week for episode 116 for project renegade and some other surprises and sandman issue number nine until then we will see you next week where the heck are my uh we need an outro right oh yeah here we go ready <laughs>